Well, hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to another episode of the Performance Enhanced Benefits Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen Snyder. You know, the value and the goal of my uh, objective for this podcast is to bring subject matter experts to help bring value to business owners, CFOs, human resources executives, uh, and help them to ultimately grow their businesses. Today, I'm going to be joined by Kenny Lang. Kenny is the founder of uh, Kenny Lang Coaching and is a System and Souls certified coach. Kenny, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you, Stephen? I'm doing good. You know, I think we're both here surviving the uh, the last few weeks here before we get into the true holidays. So I appreciate your time and being able to squeeze some time in here because I know uh, for us here in the benefits world, fourth quarter is always the busiest time of year. So I I'm sure that uh, you're busy and, and have some of that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. In, end of the year, slightly different. And, and I admire what people in your profession do. But um, yeah, starting to get geared up for 2023. Well, awesome. So that's what our conversation is going to be centered around a little bit today. But first, can you just have everyone tell uh, learn a little about you? Yeah. So um, as you said, I'm a, a System and Soul certified coach uh, working with uh, clients, companies in that, that, that two to 200 uh, person range to really help find their, their clarity um, and get control of their company. Because either they've hit a plateau or it's a runaway rocket that they can't get their arms around. And so I help bring some, some order and some focus there. Um, outside of that, uh, I'm a foster parent um, for the last four and a half years. I've had 18 kids come through, adopted one, about to adopt another and have three biological kids. So yeah, my hair is graying rapidly. Um, and then also uh, spend time um, serving in, in leadership at, at my local church and just other than that, hanging out with my kids. Wow. So 18 foster kids have gone through your house at some point. Man, that's a yes, that's sir. a heart of gold you have there. And, I, and I'm not, for those that are watching this on video, I don't see the gray. So obviously you're doing something really good. It's uh, yeah, I, I'll uh, I'll give you some product tips at the very end. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll we'll be on the lookout for those. But uh, for for those though who may not know what a systems and souls coaching program is, what what is that? Tell us a little bit more about that first. Yeah, so um, at the broadest sense, it is a a framework that helps wrap an entire business um, in in one system. Right. So think of it like your computer or your cell phone, your cell phone and your computer. They have an operating system um, that you're generally you're not always interacting with the operating system. You have applications and things you want to do inside of it, but it helps keep everything clean. It keeps it consistent. There's predictability. It gives it a way to <clears throat> scale if you want more programs and apps than your computer, or your phone or something like that. But it makes it consistent. And that's what System and Soul does. So it's a framework that will help build in. Everybody knows you need systems, right? Ever since mm -hmm. you know Ray Kroc was building up McDonald's to a billion-dollar company, they said, oh, we should do the same things repetitiously so that we standardize excellence? Yes. Okay. So that's nothing new. Um, but we also believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your people in order to get excellence and productivity and execution. So we address leadership and structure that, which is helpful for a lot of those hard charging uh, founder CEOs. Um, there's a lot of them out there and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody comes from a different direction. So it helps balance the scales. There are some very okay. soulful, very uh, people oriented and people centered founders and business owners and CEOs. Um, 
they need the counterbalance of those systems, those processes, which sometimes they feel like is being very cold and unfeeling. And I, I help people see that it's a both and not an either or that can help you scale your business. And, and just in using it in a, in a business I, I sold my first company to, we helped double their revenue in the span of two years from the beginning of COVID up until, you know, spring of this year. So um, I've seen it work. I've, I've lived inside of it. And now I just want to help other people um, see and realize the benefits of it because being a, being a founder, being an entrepreneur is hard. Um, I think it takes a lot of, a lot of courage, as you know. Um, I think that should be rewarded. But a lot of times you have so much bound up in your head and your heart and everything. You can't get it all down in one way that invites other people to help you carry that mission forward. And um, the, the system and soul framework does just an excellent job of inviting people in, giving them a place in the story so that the vision's clear, the strategy is locked in, and there's a lot of confidence in execution because you're trusting people with your baby, quote unquote. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's remarkable too, that someone was able to double the value of the business in, in really just a short time frame by adding a systematic approach that way it was uh, repeatable for that new business owner or entrepreneur or venture capitalist company that was, you know, decided to come in and purchase that company. Uh, mm -hmm. So you, know, you told us a little bit about that. How, how did you get started with this? You know, what, what made you want to get into wanting to help businesses and coach them to, and, to put in repeatable processes? Well, I, I felt like I learned a lot about myself with my first company, which I, I started in sort of my, my mid late twenties. And it was a digital marketing agency. And um, I had no prior business background. I had no background in the agency world whatsoever. I spent three months at another agency that was local to me. And they were a little bit more old school. They, they wanted you know TV and billboard ads and, and things like that. But they didn't have a great structure to sort of bring me along. Um, and at the end of my, you know, my trial period or, or whatever, it just, it wasn't working and there was a parting of the ways. Um, I had been reading books uh, obsessively, listening to podcasts on leadership development and uh, communication, started my own blog um, about that because I just I was like, hey, I want to share this with people that are around me um, because as John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I had already started uh, having a few of those pieces, but you know, if you just have a thought and it's untested, um, it's not as meaningful. And so if I had all these brilliant ideas and I thought I knew how to do it, I wanted to test those things out. And, um, over the course of five years, I really got to see, um, you know, what works, what doesn't and, um, you know, experience, you know, the pains of a growing business and having people and training them and making payroll, and there's a lot to do because when you start out, in my example, I started out with just websites and moved into marketing. <laughs> I was just, I was a nerdy guy who <laughs> knew how to write copy and an eye for design. I wouldn't ever call myself a designer, but I could build websites that made other businesses look good. And hey, people were willing to pay me for it. I, I wanted to spend time doing that initially. But as you grow, it's almost like you get further away from the thing, the passion that you had when you first started the business. Um, and ultimately, at, at different times, um, because I, I've had a larger and growing family, um, I've wanted a business for my own freedom 
And I thought I was building a business, but in reality, I was building a prison um, for myself. And that's that's painful. And and that's something shared by a lot of other business owners the more I got to talk with them. And um, it was actually part of the reason why I, um, it was a friend of mine who had a larger agency. And when I sold it, um, you know, part of our discussion was just making sure he, he didn't feel like he was running the business alone. I didn't feel like I was trying to lead and do things alone is we, we really needed um, that, uh, I guess you could call it companionship, but that partnership, even though I, I never had equity in the company, but, you know, there's a spirit of partnership um, to where, hey, we're, we're both driven individuals. We have a vision for things. Let's let's tag, tap into that. And but make sure that we're not um, abandoning our, our families and, and our personal goals in the process. And when I saw that these I'm always been systems minded. I think that's mm-hmm. what helped me with the business and stay, stay afloat. I, I'm not going to say I'm the, um, I'm not like reinventing the wheel. I'm not Elon Musk or Steve jobs, creating something out of nothing. Um, I'm not scaling to billion dollar business, but, um, systems helped me bring on very inexperienced people and us build up, you know, past the six figure mark inside of our first three years. Um, which most small businesses stay under 60 to 70,000 a year and have, you know, four people or less. And we got up to five plus some contractors and some things. And, um, I started figuring out, I was like, all right, that's good. But then I needed to be a second in command at this new company that acquired me and I needed a framework. There was so much going on because it was mm-hmm. so much bigger. I couldn't get my arms around it. It, it. And to be quite honest, it was intimidating to me. Um, what was being asked. I felt like I can do it, but man, I don't want to let people down. I don't want to let the owner down, my friend. I don't want to let the people who are now going to be reporting up to me. I don't want to let them down. So I needed to find something. And so that's when I started looking around for frameworks and systems and things that could help me sort of bring it all together and give me a place to start, whether I stayed there or not. Um, ended up being so daggum good. And I took to it. It just, it clicked. And then we just kept rolling and um, rolled out a one framework that system and soul evolved out of. So there's been an evolution of frameworks for probably the last really like 30 years. Um, and so we feel like system and soul um, is the evolution of business frameworks. It's really a, a framework for the next generation of businesses and leaders um, and what they're looking for and what they're hungry for. Okay. And so, so now, it says- I jumped out and said, Hey, I, I like this so much. I'd actually rather do this than marketing and websites. I still enjoy this stuff. <laughs> it's fun. I'm still a nerd, but, um, but now I'm like, I, I would just rather help people unlock the things that unlocked for me, unlocked for my, my friend at that other company. Um, there's just a, a relief, you know, when you have the, the owner of a company, their spouse message you and say, Hey, we're actually spending more time um, with my husband and our kids that than we've ever had. It's just been fantastic to have him back. Like that leaves a mark on you and it lets you know, like, this is not just we're playing business and we're just trying to get ahead in the mm-hmm. world. Like these people have lives and that, and it's not all achievement and revenue and things like that. Um, but it, you don't have to like put that down in order to, you know, be a good individual in your personal life. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people that I know that have started businesses, they all had one common theme, at least. They felt like they had a product or a solution that could be entered out into the marketplace. 
So they had a vision, you know, so, so how does vision play into kind of what you are doing or just as business owners in general, like how to, how to help them tap into that, but also kind of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis with them as well. Yeah. So one of the key tools that we use um, and we build uh, towards the beginning of an engagement, we really review it um, every year, but it does come, you know, it is a tool utilized throughout. It's called a roadmap. Um, And at the top of it, we have three key areas where we talk about vision um, with something called an onlyness statement, your destination, or for those who are familiar with Jim Collins, the BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal, as well as the hedgehog. And so for a lot of owners, um, the vision is very, very clear to them, but it's, um, I'm an Apple fanboy, so I'll reference that. But the way that <laughs> Apple has has done an integration of hardware, software, and services, so it's all Apple all the way through, right? Um, that's the same way vision operates in, in an owner, right? It's so clear to them. They, they could sometimes tell you that they physically see where they're going and what the business is going to look like. It's not, but they couldn't articulate it. Okay. It's very difficult. And that's frustrating for them as well as frustrating for the people reporting to them. Um, it also makes it very difficult for them to achieve that vision. So that's another layer of frustration is it feels like they're, they're going around the mountain instead of actually going in the direction they want. So we help them figure out what are you the only at? Like what's, what's the category you really compete at and why should somebody choose you instead of your competitors? And how can you make that really succinct so that internally, as you're talking, say, okay, that's great for this company, right? Um, so, you know, not all benefits people. I mean, if all benefits people are the same, you're a commodity, but you know, for your business, Stephen, like you have a different approach. You're saying I'm focused on this. We're the only that does this in the DFW area for these kind of businesses or whatever it is. It helps you keep focused on the people group and the services you you feel you're supposed to be focused on. Mm-hmm. BHAG, you know, the destination. Where ultimately are we trying to end up? When do we need to get there? Because if you don't have a, you know, what gets scheduled gets managed. Um, if you don't put a date to it, it's it's not likely to happen. Um, and then why is it important? Because you're going to get bogged down. Like business, much like life, sometimes can just beat the enthusiasm out of you. It's tough. If it was easy, everybody would have a billion dollar unicorn. It's not easy. And so when it's not easy, when you're discouraged, when people are leaving your company because they didn't like something you said, when competitors are stealing your ideas, you've got to go back to that why. Why why is it important that we get to achieve this by this date? And that's sort of what can help stoke your fire as well as others. And maybe even as the visionary owner, you can cast that vision back to rally the troops and say, hey, we're going to someplace that is great, not just for us, but for our clients. We're going to make a dent in the universe. And then the other part with the hedgehog is really a way that you can understand what what are you the best in the world at? What do you love to do and what can you make money at? Because if you're great at something and you're passionate about it, but you can't make money, well, you're going to be like a cliched starving artist. All right. And that's mm-hmm. that's not going to put food on the table and it's not going to put food on your employees table. But if you're great at it and you make money, but you're not passionate about it, you'll burn out. And that's the sad fact is what we have like 80 something percent of people who say they're not engaged in their workplace. 
you know, they're, they're getting toasty. They may be great at it and they may make a lot of money, but if they don't care, eventually they're going to quit or something else is going to happen to them. But maybe they love it and they love making money, but they suck at it. I always compare that to, you ever watch American Idol? The first mm-hmm. few episodes are always fantastic. You got William Hung from the season one singing, she bangs like atonally, <laughs> just crazy. Um, man, he's having the time of his life. Um, and he did make money because he went on tour. Don't ask me how, but um, but he wasn't very good. Um, you're not going to make it very far. So you really got to figure out that. And if you do that, you have a very clear picture for yourself and others and a place where they can find their role in the story of how are they contributing to the vision. So really what it seems like is a lot of business owners just need to be able to articulate what they're trying to accomplish or wanting to accomplish. And then you are, what you're kind of helping to do is to help them build, I guess, a, a, a strategy. So what does that strategy look like for uh, for a lot of business owners? What what can they do to help kind of bridge the gap between their vision and ultimately where they're wanting to go with it? Yeah, that's a great question. So we we do see uh, myself and and you know a lot of the other uh, system and soul coaches. We see people have vision, and some of them are able to articulate it. There's there's some great systems and things out there that'll just address vision. Um, there has to be execution at some point right? Like people need to do things. People are doing things, but you're typically not hundred percent confident in that. And so to bridge that gap, you've got to have strategy. Your people are your strategy, right? Like, yes, there's great software again, like find software, find things that augment that help you keep you focused on only things you can do. But we, we utilize something called the culture equation. So we really look at core values. I think everybody and their dog has core values. Um, but for the most part, those values tend to stay up on the wall and not travel any further in the organization. Some, some companies are starting to make some progress and that's great and I love to hear that. But a lot either don't because it was just lip service because they felt they were supposed to. But I think there's a growing majority of people who don't know how to bring those values into the organization so that they're lived values. So we take them through uh, the equation that says core values plus organizational habits equals your culture, but we reverse engineer that. So typically if they don't have values, we take them through that. If they do have values, we validate, we refine, um, maybe we switch and swap out create new definitions if the word stays the same. But then we jump to the culture and say, if you were to read on Glassdoor uh, reviews of past employees or current, what's the what are the things you want to see pop up? How is it just boom, 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 boom? We just consistently see this and it makes us feel warm and fuzzy as a leadership team. Well, let's name those things. Let's Let's narrow that list to three or four. Okay, if we have these values and we want this sort of culture and this this to be the environment, the air we're breathing, the 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 situations that we find ourselves in. What are we going to do together regularly to ensure that those happen? Because everybody wants thinks that the ideal is just oh, it just organically naturally happened. <laughs> it does sometimes, but very few. Like nobody trips and falls and becomes a, a triathlete, right? Like there's a discipline there right? Building a business requires discipline. So what are those things we're going to discipline ourselves to do? And they, by the way, they can be fun. Um, they can be, we're, um, 
you know, we're going to do once a quarter, we're going to actually just have a fun day and we're going to shut the office down and we're going to go. And it's not like we're going to go do trust falls and rope exercises. I mean, <laughs> nothing wrong with doing some of those ropes courses are really, really fun, but you know, maybe you're just going to have a fun day. Maybe we're going to have a, a, a joke of the week and we're going to have a competition for that. Um, I ran a sales team once upon a time um, and we went door to door selling electricity to businesses. I know that's super thrilling, right? Um, but every Friday we had fortune cookie Friday. And so I bought a huge box of fortune cookies and we would read it. And you know how you can make little games out of it by adding a tagline onto whatever it says. We just added at, and then the name of the company. So it was these goofy things like you will find, uh, you know, a new best friend at company name, you know? And so we just did that in the morning before everybody went out to their, you know, their routes and their territories. It wasn't expensive. It was kind of dumb. But we looked forward to it. We we got to sort of let off some steam and it, and it kept us positive. So find those habits, those things that can bring the values off the wall and help you really maintain and create that culture. The cool thing that happens when you integrate that strategy piece and connect it with the vision part I just talked about is it no longer becomes just you as the owner, the CEO or the COO or heck, even the, the full senior leadership team. It's not just on them anymore to create the culture. Everybody gets to participate. And oftentimes if people really like it, they start policing the culture themselves. So if there are bad actors in, in there, they quickly figure out that they don't fit. And, and we, we help them uh, exit, or as I heard in a, in a book I was listening to this last week, uh, we unhire them. Um, and so it, it allows everybody to contribute and participate. And that generates a sense of ownership in the company, even if they don't have stock or equity or, or, or shares or whatever you want to call it. Now they're like, no, 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 no. I love what this place is. I'm going to fight to make sure that we do these things, that the atmosphere stays this way, that these values aren't just meaningless words that got painted on one of the walls. Yeah, so how can how can business owners, visionaries get the buy-in from their employees? You talked about the fact that you know, we had like what, 80 something percent were disengaged team members. How can you start out by one, getting them to have the buy-in and then why is it so important for them to ultimately police that culture uh, themselves. So then that way people can, when they're hired, whatever, they come in and go, you know what, this probably isn't the right fit for me. And they're able to, to work through that. How, how do you get to buy in initially? So everything. So going back to the, the Maxwell quote of everything rises and falls on leadership. Um, I, I would reference that again. And, and, you know, we've, I don't know who's attributed, but I mean, it all trickles down from the top. So the first stop, and this is where um, I, I do a lot of my work is with the senior leadership teams, right? So it's usually anywhere from three to eight um, people who are charged with leading the entire organization. They have to buy into this. And through you know facilitating these sessions, um, one of the benefits of whether it's me or it's another you know, coach or, or outside perspective, it really helps everybody sort of discuss. It's not the owner who is saying, well, should we do this? And everybody goes, 
Well, I guess if if he or she suggested it, that's exactly what we're going to do, right? You know, suggestions become mandates and edicts, um, mm-hmm. whether the owner wants to or not. But if you have a professional facilitator in the room, you can start to draw these things out. And if people can weigh in, they can buy in. So first, you got to get the buy-in of your senior leadership team and really get that rolling. So one of the things we focus on initially is as we're building this roadmap and all these pieces I'm de- uh, describing, it may be you know 90 to 180 days of just working with that team to where that becomes ingrained. Some of these ideas, these thoughts of this culture building, they start doing it, whether they discuss it with the rest of the company or not. Then we start to roll it out and those other teams get to see and participate, give voice to. They may not get a vote, but they they do get a voice and say, hey, well, that doesn't make sense in this situation. That senior leader may go, wow, that's a perspective that we missed. I'm going to take that back to our next weekly sync and I'm going to discuss this and I'll let you know what comes of that. I'll so it sounds like down. a lot of what you're doing then is, is helping is having the team really be able to design what that culture is going to look like mm-hmm. versus just saying, like you mentioned before, that the uh, you know, the owner said X, so therefore X is the new is the new culture, the new strategy. Mm-hmm. You're all encompassing, taking everybody's opinions and letting their voices at least be heard uh, from mm-hmm. that standpoint. And maybe one piece of this, one piece of that, but it's ultimately you're trying to take the collective to 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 build the to build the new city. I guess would would be maybe a good analogy for that. That's correct. So, so one of the things we're finding um, with with frameworks like this, and in, in particular with System and Soul, is that it's it's proving very useful when you want to move from founder led to leadership team led in your organization, okay. because now it's not just one one guy or gal up at the top handing down orders from on high. It's now we are a collective team who is helping to roll this out and lead the organization, which. By the way, for any of you who are thinking about selling your organization, it becomes far more valuable if it runs on a system and through a team than it does if it's all hinged on you. Okay, so expand, some... expand upon that. What? How, how so? So when when companies, whether it's you know a VC company that just wants to acquire it, move it on, integrate it with a portfolio, mm-hmm. or it's a maybe you're a newer player in a space and a company wants to acquire you. One of the things that they're going to evaluate is, you know, like what kind of contracts do you have? Um, what's the estimated revenue over X period of time? Um, you know, what's your what's your EBITDA? What's what's all the different metrics and things like that? But one of the things they're going to look at is the likelihood of retention of clients at post acquisition, right? Okay. Because if you buy a company that's generating, let's just say they're generating two million dollars a year. Um, and that would be nice. So you acquire the people, you acquire the book of business and you're like, man, I'm, you know, I'm going to outlay, you know, a multiple of some kind on this business. But now I've got an asset that generates somewhere in the neighborhood of 2 million a year that potentially could grow more, right. And, and develop if 85, 75% of those clients, heck, even 50% of those clients disappear, that entity became much less valuable. And in a lot of, of I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, I don't manage M&As, things like that, <laughs> mergers, acquisitions. But I, I can tell you just from talking to some different people who've bought and sold companies and things like that is there's a contingency on, you know, the amount of retention that in, directly influences the owner's payout. So 
if you sold a company and you're like, sweet, I'm about to get, let's just say a 5X multiple on a $2 million company, uh, you're going to get $10 million and you may say, this is fantastic. You know, I can take some time off. I can go build this next company, whatever it is. But you lost 75% of the revenue because they were all attached to you and you were the person who made everything happen. Well, now it's only a $500,000 company and you're only going to make two and a half million dollars. Whereas if it's built on a system that isn't dependent on you and if it's run by a team and not just by you, it now can actually perpetuate itself. It's running on its own steam which is the ultimate for any owner is that at some point you are owning the company, not running it. Because if you're still working in it and you have to be there every day to make it go, you're not really owning the company, right? You're not just an owner. And if, if you can build the team and your company in such a way that it can run without you, which is for a lot of owners, the ideal, like they may not want to sell, but they may want it to run and build and grow so that they can get checks and go do the things in their life that they feel that they were supposed to be doing or just want to do and have fun. It's really tough to do that if you have to physically be present and your voice has to be the one that's constantly heard for anything to get done or move forward. No, it makes perfect sense uh, You know, to allow that way you're not, like you said before, talking about uh, creating a prison for yourself instead mm -hmm. of you know being able to run the business for the reasons why you got into it. And for those that are maybe looking to get started with something like this, obviously they're probably going to have some some hesitancy. They're not going to be nervous. They're gonna, they're going to want some may want a perfect roadmap already for them. And so how can someone be able to act confidently, and what tools can they have to allow them to? to really put these visions in places to help them with the strategy and ultimately the execution to get them to their to the long-term vision that they have. Right, yeah, because all, all of this is great unless, mm -hmm. you know, uh, until, you know, the, the feet hit the road, the rubber meets the road there, right? Like if we're not executing, but we have great plans, mm -hmm. um, it's not helpful. <laughs> um, and so one of the things that we look at in the execution phase, um, is we, we have four four tools that we walk these teams through in order to really build confidence in that the execution. They need to build an org chart and we have a particular way that we okay. do it. So, and that's not an org chart in the sense of like, well, just look at who reports to who and just put their faces and names on a flow chart or use, uh, God forbid, a Microsoft product. I am biased, but- um, Can't but tell. Throw it. Yeah, can't tell, right? I'm, I'm I'm very well hidden on that. But throw that up, put it on the company wiki, and and call it a day. That's not what we do. You know, org charts are built one with the number one. We're looking six to twelve months down the road. It becomes a living document. It's not just current. It's what actually does the structure of the company need to look like from a people perspective, in order for us to hit our goals, whatever those may be. And every seat has a has a clear title. It has a mission that's a short three or four word, like what's if uh, it's built on something from the Navy called Commander's Intent, which is like in the absence of clear orders, what is the purpose of my job here, right? It's not just to do things, but I'm advancing the cause here. So what is that and how do we tie it in? Roles and responsibilities, those are pretty classic. And then we, we ass uh, assign KPIs to every single seat. Every seat has a number. You will know week to week 
if you are winning in your job. And by the way, from the leadership team's perspective and the owner's perspective, when they get nervous about handing things off, you now have, have a mechanism to watch, to guide, to hold accountable that they are actually doing the thing you wanted them to do. Um, so that eventually you can just say, like, I trust that Bob or Tina or whoever is doing the thing that they're needing to do. I look at my scoreboard. Great. They hit their numbers for like the 14th week in a row. They got it down. Um, we talk about weekly syncs. There, there is an art and a science to meetings, right? And so we have a format laid out that guides leadership teams through a very productive meeting because how many times have have you or I or anybody listening like been in a meeting? It's like this could have been an email. Um, yeah, all that's of a, us, that's a, <laughs> right? Or it's just, oh dear God, I'd rather be sitting in a tub full of scissors than be in this meeting right now. Um, there are some companies that say if you feel like a meeting doesn't apply to you, you have the the right and permission to get up and leave in the middle of it. It's a little jarring, but it is interesting. But this takes you through, like, how do we, number one, how do we stay connected? Because we are people. So let's connect relationally first. Make sure, like, let's share wins. Let's shout people out on core values, which, by the way, drives it deeper in the organization. Um, and then let's go over our numbers. How are we doing? Are we on track, off track for everything that we said that we intend to do this quarter this year and beyond? Okay, cool. N nothing there. Now we get into what are our opportunities and what are our obstacles that this team, this leadership team needs to be discussing. And we give a particular format that helps you go through it to where um, you'll discuss it clearly in a particular way. You align it to your roadmap because there's a lot of decisions and a lot of different ways you could take something, but you got to figure out what's right for you, you know? And, and if you don't have a clear roadmap, you're, what's the, the old saying of um, if you don't know where you're going, you'll, you'll end up anywhere right? Like you have a place you want to end up and then take action. And then there's accountability to the group to come back the following week and say, I took this first step or I completed the whole stinking thing. Um, and then we close it out and we rate it and say, how did we do? Let's give ourselves some feedback. Let's make sure that these meetings actually are valuable instead of griping about them at the water cooler in the meeting after yeah. the meeting, like kill all of that noise, get honest. You'll be surprised how many less meetings you actually need if you meet that way. No, we talk about sense. objectives, you know, quarterly. How are you structuring your projects to build, to work on the business? There's a particular format that really helps. If anybody's familiar with OKRs and how they came uh, into it, um, was big on them. The, a guy left into it. Um, John, uh, I always mispronounce his last name, Doer or Doer. Um, he has a great book, Measure What Matters, if anybody's really wanting to check that out. But it heavily influenced how we structure objectives so that they're very clear. There's accountability. There's check-ins and a way to roll it and cascade it down the, the org chart. Um, and then we have uh, in our in our final piece, um, you know, we have our scoreboard, which is that numbers piece to where we just check in on it week over week. And it's a rolling 13 weeks. So now we're spotting patterns in the business. And the nice thing is you need some numbers that aren't just did we lose money, make money on the P&L or the balance sheet every month or every quarter. If that's your indicator and you figure something out, it's too late right? Yeah. Like you're, you're on damage control, but what if you could know about it when the smoke started and you could snuff it out just like that? Yeah. So it, it sounds like you're, you're, you're treating the business like a living, breathing organism. 
And these steps are really, these tools are really giving it uh, the oxygen that it needs to breathe. So kind of recap for us real quick, the, the four tools that you talked about yeah. for the simple execution. What were those again? So I had organizational chart, kind of roll through those again. Yeah, so you're gonna have the, the org chart, you have your okay. scoreboard, um, you have uh, quarterly, um, annual and three-year objectives, um, and then you have that weekly sync, that weekly leadership meeting, which can be used further down the organization, but we just start with that that leadership team. Okay, so we'll, we'll add that information to the uh, to the show notes here as well. Obviously, this is a lot of information to, to, yeah. to think about, to digest. Uh, if someone wants resources, what, what are, what's available to them? Do you have anything that you could provide? Yeah, so if, if for our DIY friends out there who say, hey, this roadmap thing sounds neat, um, but uh, I'd like to take a crack at it myself, I've, I've put mm -hmm. together a little kit um, that gives you a blank roadmap, an example one, because the blank screen can be intimidating and sometimes you need some ideas, and a 15-minute sure. walkthrough guide um, on my website. So that's kinneylang.com and it's forward slash roadmap, all okay. one word, um, and, and that's a free one. Um, if somebody really wants help just on their annual planning, right, it's that time of year, as we were talking about, and they say, hey, you know what, I don't know if I need the full system and all of that stuff, but I sure could use a great plan for 2023 to build a lot of confidence and, and make it our best year ever. Um, I, I have a, a just a two-day workshop where I take you through, we'll build your roadmap, we'll do all those things and, and set you off. And um, and, you know, we can do some follow-ups, uh, from there. So if people are looking for that, um, that, that is a paid engagement, but people can find that, um, on the website, um, as well. Okay. And, we'll get all those notes added there to the, to, to the show notes yeah. for everybody to have those links, uh, for, for anybody that's interested, but, you know, just kind of, as we're wrapping up here, you know, if we could give our listeners just one final piece of advice, what would that be? Be honest with yourself. Be there's a good one. if you're not if you're not doing well, say so, and it's okay. And if you're around people, if you have people in your company, uh, if you've hired people in your company who aren't okay with things not being okay or where they're supposed to be, uh, in terms of holding space for that and saying like we're with you, we're going to go with you, you might have the wrong people. Um. But you can you can have both uh, a profitable company and a, a high performance people first company. Um, you don't have to choose. Um, that is a lie, and it is a myth from an older um, you know model of thinking um, that unfortunately is still very pervasive. But you know, be honest with yourself, and and then understand you can have you know, it's sort of like have your cake and eat it too, but you can have a, a fun and profitable business and it doesn't have to be your prison. Um, one of the things you can do just as a free, uh, if, if people go, um, if they want like a free, like, Hey, where am I? If I, if I want to be honest with myself and, and maybe take an assessment and get some other people's, you know, feedback, um, have a free diagnostic that gives you a health score on six key areas of your business and then aggregates it all. Um, again, at the website, but just uh, forward slash health score, it's free. It takes you five minutes. It's 20 questions. Um, but you'll pop out on the other side kind of going, all right, well, I know where I'm at because on any journey, um, it's hard to know where to navigate if you don't know where you're starting from. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You gotta you gotta have the vision. You gotta have the roadmap to help get you to ultimately to that vision as well. But like, if, if someone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to be able to, to do so? So, um, I mean, my, my email is Kenny at KennyLang.com. Obviously okay. the website's KennyLang.com, but, um, would love anybody to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty, pretty easy to find. I have a little emoji with the eyebrow up, like I'm the rock. I noticed um, that. Yeah, I did. I noticed that. <laughs> but I did get the claim on LinkedIn. I, I tried to do this early, but, um, you know, everybody gets to do their little custom name, LinkedIn.com forward slash IN forward slash. And I actually got Kenny Lang. So um feel like a plane in my flag for all the Kenny Langs in the world. But nice. you can you can find me on there and and connect and and let's have a chat. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for all the listeners out there. Again, this has been Steven Snyder with another episode of the Performance Enhanced Benefits Podcast. Where again, our goal and our vision is to help bring subject matter experts like Kenny uh, to the conversation here to help you to grow your business to ultimately where you want it to go. Thanks and have a great rest of your day.